This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Skyland, baseline of New Scotland. She knows the value of home. She's building one with her fiancé and their year-old son, while at the same time, she works to help people without homes. She's on the development team for IPH, which offers a continuum of services for individuals and families who are homeless or at risk of homelessness. Caring about others and developing a sense of community is a through line in her life, and she says that becoming a mother is the single most important thing she's ever done. So I think I'm going to start by just having you unpack a little bit of the what you wrote in your letter, because I'm somebody, frankly, that gets very confused with the X, Y, Z generation. <laughs> My generation is easy. I'm a baby boomer, you know, and I have a real clear idea of the generations through my own family. World War One. my grandfather fought in. They raised their kids in the roaring 20s. They lived through the Depression. Then my father and mother, you know, my father went off to fight in World War II, and I have a sense of what that was like, and then I was the baby boomer when they all came home, but, like, I looked up this study that you cited in your letter on, you know, from Johns Hopkins, and just kind of walk us through who are Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, Melissa, you were talking about the formative experiences of those generations that you're a part of and the one before you. And looking, you know, it's they're very different than the formative experiences of, you know, the following generations. But at the same time, like the themes are the same, right? Like, uh, you know, the human experience and sort of the mental load and how they're handling it, but also like access to news, media information, what's in the news, how that affects you, um, you know, forms sort of the the generation and the society that you're going to be a part of as you, you know, graduate as to, to, into adulthood. Um, and so, you know, this, I, what's really compelling and inspiring about Gen Z is they are the first to have instantaneous access to information available since they were born. The millennial generation also arguably so, because the internet did exist, right? Like when we were young and, and, you know, even before we were born, you know, the, we could say that, but um, we can still say as millennials that, you know, we had dial up, we read books for leisure. You know, you look back to movies like set in the 90s and you're not on a smartphone when you're 14 years old, you know, that came a bit later. So they're framing this Generation Z as the global generation, which is you know, that's a big feat, right? To be a part of, be able to be a part of the global community 
no matter where you are, of course, we know there's barriers to access to digital equity, you know, issues like not everybody can download the internet to their phone. Not not everybody has a phone, but, you know, in the scope of the majority, it's available. And there's got to be something to be learned from that generation that could grab any type of information they want um, with a simple search. So that's what really compelled me. And that's how I wanted to sort of address the class of 2023 as a part of this really incredible generation that we can expect to make up a majority of our working class society in the next few years. So. Yeah. Well, I had not thought of it that way. And your reading of it was wonderful <laughs> because to, to my eye, you look so young and you wrote that you don't want to become a crotchety old folk stuck in my day because <laughs> you're a millennial for heaven's sakes. But um, just looking at how polarized we are, I love anything that builds bridges. And that's what your letter did for me. It, it talked about the importance of honest communication and openness and just understanding one another. So thank you for writing that. Now, you are speaking to us right now from the offices of the Interfaith Partnership for the homeless. And I'm hoping you can just tell us what exactly that is and how you got involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been with IPH for the past three years, IPH, formerly Interface Partnership for the Homeless. Um, And I work on our development team. So I'm working in the scope of building and um, I'm in development operations, so operational aspects of creating a positive experience for our community of supporters, our donors, our community partners. Um, And what IPH does, the programmatic aspects are, is a continuum of resources for individuals who are experiencing or at risk of homelessness. Uh, And we work in three pillars. We work first in shelter services, housing services and community-based services. So I know that, you know, that's a that's a quick scope, but what that means is that we do provide shelter for individuals who are placed through the Department of Social Services, but also we have low barrier uh, shelter service in the a seasonal operation that is open during the code blue season, which is cold winter season. Um, and that's, you know, anybody can walk in there and get that access, that service of shelter whenever they need. And then our community based program, we have a drop in center, it's very unique. And, you know, we've identified that this is a need and went ahead and built it. And a couple years ago, we built a uh, daytime shelter. During the week, folks can come and do laundry, access our clothing pantry, and really what's the most valuable asset is they can talk to a case manager there. We have every single individual that comes through our programming has access to support in the form of person-centered case management. So support and guidance to help orient and you towards your personal goals. So um, at IPH, we really value the philosophy that we meet folks where they're at and we help them get to where they're going. Um, And then another sort of philosophy that people do better and better places. 
So we provide quality shelter services, quality affordable housing, and quality community-based programming as well. And then we also, uh, in the scope of housing, have IPH-owned and rented properties in the greater capital region in Fulton, Montgomery County, um, where, you know, folks have supports in the form of case management and rental assistance to be in a quality, affordable place to live. And we do, you know, follow up housing first approach. We want to see people do well, um, but we know that in order for people to do well in, in permanent or affordable housing and transitional housing, they need that level of support. So that's why we provide that in the form of case management. So it's a really impressive organization. The growth is really impressive um, that we started close to four years ago as one shelter operation and now have grown to provide this continuum of resources and continue to identify like what are the needs and how do we meet them? And our executive director, Janine, is always you know, looking and listening for opportunities to expand our services. So I'm really part, proud to be a part of that. Well, it's such important work, and homelessness it seems to be an increasing problem, which is always sort of shocking to me when we live in such a prosperous society. But I love this philosophy. We meet folks where they're at and help them get where they're going. So do you have a, a sense of how many people your organization has helped move from homelessness to having a home? Yeah, I could get back to you. I don't want to no, give you No, no, I don't I don't need exact numbers. <laughs> I just want to like shine a little light, a ray of hope because yeah. so often people think of homelessness as a permanent situation. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can say we we served in the last year over 1,600 unique individuals, um, you know, across our programs. And I think that that's really impressive in it itself is that that, were, that was 1,600 people in our communities that needed that level of support. And, and we were able to be there and, and, you know, help them, like I said, get where they are going. Um and it, there's so many complexities, you know, the root causes and perpetuating factors of homelessness and stigmas surrounding homelessness um, that, you know, we have to be we have to be considering when we're providing services and, you know, have a trauma informed approach and, you know, work as an advocate too in our community so that we can start, you know, make some progress in each individual case and for each individual's circumstance to support them, but also to look at some of these bigger systems and, and barriers within them. Um, so it is a complex issue, absolutely. And, you know, there's a demonstrated need. You, you might see it in your community and you might not see it. You might have an, be in a community that has an individual or I mean, invisible homeless population. Um, you know, where we have services in Gloversville and Amsterdam. <clears throat> in Gloversville, and, and we also have a program in Waterford. So those are some examples of our reach. But, you know, in Gloversville, we had to, we had to 
illustrate and demonstrate like the need by doing research and outreach to show like, you know, here are numbers, here are folks. We, we went out and we found, you know, people who needed support in the form of, you know, housing. And we had to demonstrate to the community because it's hard to say, you know, my community has, you know, homeless individuals, especially if you can't see them. So just something I think, you know, in Albany, we can sort of see it. It's a rural, I mean, it's not a rural community. I mean, you know, places like even where I live, Voorheesville, Ultima, maybe you don't. That doesn't mean that there aren't people that are, you know, living from couch to couch or home to home or, um, you know, somewhere that they can't be seen explicitly. So, yeah, I did a podcast with a retired colonel who um, has set up what was a family home of her own family uh, in Troy for female veterans who are homeless. And it was just what you're saying. They, they live from car to couch to friend mm-hmm. and are often unwilling to see themselves as needing help. So um, how do you... Uh, two kinds of people, in case they're listening, <laughs> what would you tell them? People that might want to help or contribute, as well as people that might need help from your organization. Where would they reach? What would they do? Yeah, so um, if someone has access to web resources, which we know, like I kind of said earlier, that can be a barrier for folks. But um, on the IPH website, there's a link to, or there's a button that says, you know, I need help. Um, And it brings you to a place that you can sort of enter in some a little bit more information you know, that will help generate a list of services or contacts that you could reach out to depending on your circumstance. So, you know, folks will identify they need help if they are homeless or they may become homeless soon. Um, So that's a, a good place for folks to go. And also, you know, a lot of our referrals are through the Department of Social Services. So, you know, we do, or, and then in partnership to the homeless, the homeless, excuse me, sorry, the Homeless and Travelers Aid Society um, does help receive, you know, some folks who need like emergency placement if the Department of Social Services offices are closed. And then IPH's community connections during the daytime, if you're in the Albany community, the case management on site is a great resource to be able to actually sit and talk to somebody. You know, there could be language barriers. There could be, you know, mistrust in in services and providers that folks have worked with in the past. So that's a place to go if you need support. Um, For those who wanna get involved, You know, I'd encourage people to reach out directly via phone if they want to contact us at IPH. Megan Meyerson is our Director of Donor Experience. Bonnie St. Ange is our Director of Development. And then I'm here on the development team um, as a development associate. And we always are excited to have a conversation with somebody that wants to get involved and learn more. Or someone could, if if they're not ready to go that far, just sign up to learn more about us. We have a you know, newsletters that go out each month 
We have really great success stories that we're sharing with folks via email. And then we do have a, a Facebook page set up where you'll see that sort of same content. So the I, the inner faith, is there a religious component to this? Um, and how does that work? Yeah, thank you for asking that. So we are, you know, we provide services, non-denominational, and we're not faith-based, um, but we honor our history um, by maintaining, you know, our Interfaith Partnership for the Homeless, IPH acronym. Um, we were started through partnership with the Area Council of Churches, and we're the first shelter that we provided was, you know, those folks coming together. So, and then throughout the years, all of the faith-based communities and churches, you know, had a huge part in creating that community of support for us. And still to this day, you know, we look to our area churches to provide meals, support us with financial contributions. So it's a really big part of our history, but um, we don't have any faith services in any of our programs and we don't require anybody to, um, you know, participate in any faith-based services to, to have to receive services at IPH. So I hope that helps folks. Yeah. I would just love to hear about you personally, <laughs> because this is, I would assume, very demanding work. Um, just kind of tell us about, walk us through your life. Where are you from originally? Yeah, thank you. So I'm from the Hudson Valley, so not far. Um, I grew up in a little town called Chatham, New York. Oh, Chatham um, is beautiful. It was very lovely. I will say I would feel very blessed to have grown up in such a beautiful place and had a tight-knit community where, you know, when you're young and you're rebelling, you know, it's annoying that, you know, everyone knows who you are and you just want to get out of a small town. But really it was, you know, we people were looking out for you and reporting to your mother if, you know, you they need they felt they needed to, you know, advocate on your behalf and, and steer you right. So having Well tell that, us about your family. Who like who yeah. was who is your mother and father? So my mom is Meredith Clark. She's an LPN. She's working in the Albany Med Health System right now. And for years she was a home health care provider. So she went into people's homes and was a visiting nurse. Um and and really you know, nurturing maternal sort of in that way that made her so great, uh, you know, in her career as a nurse. And my father's from Schenectady and he grew up, you know, in colony uh, and is it went on to work as a pool technician and then now is in construction, um, small scale. Uh, I think he's actually painting right now. Um, but my, my grandfather grew up in Schenectady too. And then his, uh, parents were from Germany and my grandma's parents on that side were from Italy. And then on my mom's side, we had, my grandma was from Italy and then her, my mom's father was an American, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, so I'm sort of that generation, I guess, uh, removed from, uh, from the immigrants that came before me to, you know, create who I am today. 
So I, I'm definitely like born and bred, I guess, capital region. <laughs> and we imagine that I'll stay in New York. And you had as a parent one who was a hands-on builder and one who was a hands-on nurturer. So yeah. those two things seem to come together in you. And what what did you when you left your home, what what was your path? Yeah, so I, I actually stayed and I studied at Hudson Valley Community College. And then I went on to Binghamton University to study environmental science and anthropology, actually, which is quite a dying science and a really uh, controversial history. But um, I had a focus on sustainable food systems was actually a passion. And that came from working at my local food cooperative when I was a young person in high school. And um, you know, being really interested in bringing like a composting and paper recycling program to my high school. So I sort of followed that and then ended up in the human services sector. And um, now I have, you know, I had a great family. My grandma was in the home with us. She was her home and we lived there um, in an apartment in the house. And so she was, you know, a pillar, maternal you know, the perfect maternal uh, figure for us, a real matriarchal family. And now I have my own little family. I have a little baby that is almost 14 months old. Oh, and tell us about your baby. Who, yes. who is so he? Thank you. So he's absolutely the most important thing to me in the world. And I would argue, you know, being a mom to him is the single most important thing that I've ever done in my life. Um, it's, you know, well, I think a lot of mothers, parents, caregivers, they can relate to, you know, it's still a challenge to sort of marry like your professional life with your home, with your home life. And, you know, do I even want people to know that I'm a parent like first, like, do I want to present that? But I do, I feel confidently now that, you know, being a mother to my son and a partner to my fiance, like I've learned skills that are transferable. You know, you have to be patient, creative, thoughtful, and, you know, responsive, a patient, I'll say again, and, you know, kind and understanding. So, and, and task and prioritize, figure out like, how am I going to do this? Like maintain this 40 hour work week and have the energy to come home. But it's definitely like my favorite part of my day, like to get home and get him out of his car seat, get the snuggle. He's excited. And to watch him learn is like absolutely incredible to me. It's so cool. And it inspires you. It gives purpose. You know, in the human experience, we all are wondering what the purpose is. And I think I, you know, found a new one when I became a mom to him because that was it. That was my purpose to care for him. So it's really incredible. And my, I'm lucky I have a partner that's, I say, 100%, 50% in it. So he's there right with me. Like, you know, we're doing it in partnership. We're raising our baby Christopher. So it's pretty incredible. Well, tell us a little about your partner. I know because the picture you sent of yourself, you said was at his graduation, and he graduated from a college 
at UAlbany I didn't even know existed, the College of Emergency Preparedness, Homeland Security, and Cybersecurity. So just tell us a little about, um, his name is Christopher also, right? Yes. Okay. So Dad Chris is, I absolutely impressed me. And um, first of all, really going into a field that, is good <laughs> not to say like he he was really thoughtful in approaching like what do I want to study what do I want to do and you know he knew that he wanted to sort of work in computer technology and informatics so he's doing that he, he graduated had a little bit of a non-traditional path so he graduated as a an older adult he was uh, 28 or 29, I'm sorry, you don't 100% know, when he graduated. And in a year from his graduation, he had built up experience working for Schenectady uh, School District in their tech department. And then now he's at Albany Med Health Systems working as an EPIC analyst. So he is actually like uh, I guess, an architect for their new um, EPIC program. They're transitioning to a new program, and, and he's right there building out the applications to be able to do it. It's complex. It's not something I would be able to do, but uh, it's, it's really impressive. I'm so proud of him, like, you know, graduated and did the thing. And yeah. Well, you both have such demanding careers and also being parents. And then yet under your signature on the letter, it looks like you also find time to volunteer. You're active in the library. Tell us what you do with that. Yeah. So I'm a board member uh, for the Friends and Foundation of the Albany Public Library which is a sort of, I get, I would say you could frame it as a sister organization, sort of helps the library by um, raising essential funding for certain programming and overall support for the library and then hosts some programming in the Albany Public Libraries as well to sort of uh, bring our community together in that way. I've always had a passion for libraries. So Why? If, Tell us about that. Are you a reader or is it the community aspect? That I, I think the community aspect is like a theme for me. Yes, I'm noticing that. <laughs> Um, and I did visit the library a lot as a young person. And my local library was the North Chatham Free Library, which was part of the Mid-Hudson Library System. And then I had a chance as an adult to do a, an apprenticeship with my head librarian. And, um, you know, the programming that goes on at libraries is it's the free resource for folks and communities all across, you know, everywhere it's the place and everybody is welcome at libraries and you know the resources are free it, it's just incredible to me that that even exists anymore but of, but of course at the same time it's like you know it should it's valuable and and I love that piece of it the Albany Public Libraries is really impressive to me too like there is so much available to folks that I I hope I can lend uh a little bit of my voice to the fact that you can go to the library if you want to go to the museum and you can get a museum pass, you know, and check it out. Uh, you can go there for family programming, all age programming. 
Um, so I hope that I can support in that way. And then what uh, all my other little small commitments that I do as a member of the board. Um, and so I guess that's sort of the most compelling piece to me. So what brought you and Christopher and Christopher to New Scotland? You live in New yeah. Scotland now, right? Yes. So Chris and I actually met, we worked together for the New York Public Interest Research Group. And we worked on an outreach campaign in the Capital Region. And then we went on to direct the outreach campaign for the Capital Region. So together, we got a chance to visit like every community and we were doing door-to-door -door outreach. We we're training and hiring a team of door-to-door -door outreach professionals. So we would, you know, bring people out, meet with donors, train folks right out in our communities. So we went to Delmar, we went to Niskiuna, Forestville, I managed that uh, community. So when it, you know, Christopher came, we were like, we want to start thinking about where we want to build our home or build our family and where we want to buy a home. And I was like, let's go to Voorheesville, Blue Ribbon <laughs> School. Yeah, like it's, and we're from more rural communities. So I just felt like this feels like familiar to me and I really like the community. So that's how we ended up sort of, I felt comfortable coming to Voorheesville because I had gone and walked up to people's doors and talked to them and, you know, got to meet folks that way. So that's, you know, where we started our search for our home. And then we were also looking in Delmar and everything like that. And we, I, th I we thought it was important to be in Albany County as well. So that's how we landed in Voorheesville. Oh, we're, and we're very happy. I'm so glad you did. I, we're, we've run out of time, but I just had this list of things. There's one more I'm going to still ask you because I see that you're a therapeutic art life coach and that is just so interesting to me what tell us what that is you must be an artist as well so I I am interested in mixed media art so I actually found a really affordable uh, accreditation program online to become an art therapist is a career path like you have to you know really do a lot of education but to life coach it's really minimal <laughs> certifications um so I my friend actually sponsored me to do it my friend Victoria who I also worked with in the past Tori she was like hey if you do this program I'll sponsor you so I went ahead and I completed an online program to get this accreditation or accredited um you know um, so I'm certified, I guess, but um, it was a short program and it was, I was inspired by, you know, my own love of arts and sort of seeing even at IPH, we have students that come in and do art therapy or, you know, therapeutic arts programming. But like, how does that work? I mean, what does, what does art do for someone? Yeah, yeah. And um I would argue that it can help someone build confidence. Uh, it can help someone find a positive coping skill, you know, when they find something that they like and they're able to focus energy into. I think that, you know, 
whether it's art or something else for everyone that's valuable and for me I, I'm it is you know taking some time to draw or taking some time to create paint or whatever else so I'll say that you know that it's valuable you know addition to someone's life yeah I think it's amazing that you do all these different things your life must just be jam-packed but do you do your own artwork as well and what kind of art is it yeah, I'll say I dabble. I'm definitely like a novice. Um, I've been inspired by some really incredible artists uh, in my network of friends. I'll just mention here, Mamie Brookman or Mary Lyle Brookman does mosaic art. Uh, so I sort of watched her do that as a young person was just like really inspired by this sort of artist lifestyle. So, you know, with her and personally, I've you know, experimented with different mediums, but mostly I pencil sketches is what I like to do. Pencil sketch portraits that are very, I guess, uh, you know, low level, I would say skill, but um, I, I really enjoy. That's great. Well, do you have any closing thoughts to leave our listeners with? Well, I would just want to thank you for talking to me. I um, you know, in the past couple of years, I've sort of worked to try to find my way and, and learn how I can like put all my passions for all these different things into purpose and, and have a meaningful part in my community. And I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to share my story. Um, and I hope that if anybody wants to talk about any of those things, that they'd reach out to me and I can continue a conversation. I'm always happy to connect and network with folks in my community. So thank you so much. 